This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, guys. DGS on KMOX 306. One hour ago, I spoke to uh, Rabbi Shmuel Greenwald, the rabbi from Priest and Rabbi. has been with me over 20 years. And I texted him on Saturday just to um, show my support for him personally. And he was in Israel, uh, much to my surprise, although I remembered immediately he had told me that a couple weeks ago when he was in doing Priest and Rabbi. And he was on, and, and he uh, literally went to a flower shop today in Jerusalem and has been in the bomb shelter two or three times. And it's a fascinating interview. We're going to replay a part of that for you at 440, and it's always available, as is everything we do, uh, streaming on odyssey.com. You can podcast it. You can listen to us live. You can stop, rewind, pause, whatever you need to do. Right now, uh, bringing back our very good friend, former Senator Jim Talent. Uh, Jim, great to talk to you again. Uh, good to be with you. Jim, I think of you often when things like this happen because we've known each other for so long and I so much respect your intellect and your opinion and, frankly, the research that you've done over the many decades on topics like this. So I thought of you Saturday morning when I was groggily making my coffee and watching Benjamin Netanyahu say we're at war. I'd just love to know uh, how you found out about it and your reactions. Yeah, I actually didn't realize it until that afternoon. I was busy, and then I just went on the Internet and saw what was happening. And I thought, well, they they caught the Israelis by surprise. It was a covert operation they had been presenting as not being interested in stirring up, talking about us, stirring up trouble, more interested in getting more people uh, across the border to work in um, on the West Bank. And meanwhile, they'd been training about a thousand terrorists. They evidently, I read in the Times of Israel, they constructed an Israeli village that they could practice attacking. And uh, they flew hang gliders over the uh, boundary, the, the security fence, blew it up in a couple dozen places from the other side and then streamed in and started killing and maiming and kidnapping and raping. And this is their idea of a, uh, of a military uh, effort. So <clears throat> the Israelis are going to come back with disproportionate uh, power. And um, I believe they're going to wipe out Hamas's military capabilities. And that's the appropriate thing to do here. One thing, Dave, I, and I'm sure you've talked about this already. So They've lost close to a thousand people um, and probably twice that many um, injured. Well, that would be the equivalent of 30,000 dead and 60,000 injured in the United States. 
And people all over that country have been in, in and out of bomb shelters now for, for days. This is, a, this is a terrible, terrible thing, and there are going to be terrible consequences for Hamas. So let's talk about the uh, the asymmetric response from Israel, which I agree. I expect that as well. In any military engagement, whether it was Alexander or it was Gettysburg or it's today, uh, it's not an exact science. You always have collateral damage. And it seems to me that Israel is going to have to err on one side or the other, that they're going to err on the side of taking out Hamas, even if it costs uh, civilian lives or uh, being more careful with the civilian lives and maybe not being as effective against Hamas. Which side of the uh, fence do you think they're going to fall on? Well, it remains to be seen. I was listening to several um, former major generals from Israel who said that the point of declaring war was to loosen up the restrictions somewhat. They will still try to protect civilian life. But it's now clear that they can't live with this threat anymore. I mean, no, no, no responsible government could do that. And so I think that they're going to clean out Hamas. Now, I think they've the first stage is to do it on their side of the border. And I think they'll have that completed probably by this evening. They've been launching airstrikes uh, into Gaza. They have a list of targets, of course, and they're getting new targets. And I, I strongly believe a ground invasion will follow. You know the number of reservists they've mobilized. They have to watch the northern front, too. Uh, but they're going to move in. They have to now. I mean, they tried the other. They've tried for years the other way, treating this like a police problem, mm-hmm. you know, trying to integrate them economically, trying to let the PLO, you know, the puppet PLO government deal with this. And uh, what we've seen the last three days is the result. So Jim Netanyahu is saying that he plans to change the Middle East. Uh, I know you don't have a crystal ball or access to what's in his brain, but what could that mean when the when the dust settles and this is over one way or another? How different could the Gaza Strip or even the West Bank look? Well, I think he's going to come by cleaning out Hamas. And of course, he hasn't put it in these terms. This is my interpretation of what I think they're going to do. Uh, that's going to change the Middle East, both both by eliminating a significant threat and also uh, by showing Hezbollah and the other groups that Israel is not going to tolerate this any longer. And if they can do it with the solid support of the West, beginning with the United States, then I think that's the appropriate response, and it may deter this kind of thing in the future and send a very strong and powerful message to Iran. So, so far, I'm pleased with how the Biden administration has responded. Mm-hmm. I think it was important to send an aircraft carrier task force. I think the message there is Hezbollah better stay quiet on the northern front because they're a much more sophisticated and dangerous enemy than Hamas. And we don't want Israel having to deal with a two front war. So uh, Hamas has said that uh, Iran was a part of this. Iran, I think, has now acknowledged it officially through their spokespeople. Um, it's so frustrating because it's not like a schoolyard fight where it's like, oh, Billy sent Tommy over here to do this. I'm going to go beat up Billy. I know we can't just go invade Iran. But what would you expect or hope that the Biden administration or even the next administration might do vis-a-vis Iran? Well, I mean, reapply the maximum pressure policies of President Trump. So, for example, by 2020, uh, Iran's oil exports were down to, I believe, $3 billion. It's around that. And now they've gone back up. 
to about $50 billion. And, of course, they plow that into supporting terrorists all over the world. And, Dave, I've said this to you before. I mean, it's absolutely astonishing to me that any American administration should try and build a security arrangement in the Middle East around a partnership with Iran. I mean, they're the chief state sponsor of terror. Everybody believes that. So they're not not going to be a partner for peace. And, of course, they knew about this. Most of these rockets are made in Iran, and the ones that aren't made in Iran are made by Palestinian engineers trained by Iran, okay? They supply Hezbollah. They supply the Islamic Jihad. They supply terrorists all over the Middle East. I think part of the reason for this is to try and derail this uh, these negotiations between the Saudis mm-hmm. and Israel. And I think down the road we need to do our best to keep that from happening. Um, right now, though, they just the Israelis have to deal with the immediate threat, and the best thing we can do for them is support them diplomatically because you're already seeing uh, people in the West starting to say, well, you know, everybody needs to show restraint here, and this is Israel is to blame for this. Um, and so the United States has to support Israel very strongly in, in uh, international forums. So... <sighs> Hamas and Hezbollah and ISIS uh, did not invent war crimes. You go back to the Nazis and go back even before that throughout military history. Uh, I know you're not a psychiatrist, you're a political thinker, but just as a human, what have you learned about, I'll say, these people, this part of the world, the Islamic jihadist terrorists? How can they be so effective at grooming the people who carry it out to, to carry out such inhuman acts to... You know, rape women and and then parade their bodies around and behead soldiers and uh, kidnap infants. As a human, I understand politically you may not like Israel or Democrats may not like Republicans, but how do you get a human, especially in these numbers, to believe what they believe and carry out these acts? Yeah, there's a bit of a lesson here for all of us, I think, uh, to try to look at people as individuals, not to reduce them to one aspect of their lives, whether it's a political party or a religion or a race or anything like that. And this goes for everybody. It should go for everybody. Because when you do that, when you just, when you, you know, reduce people uh, to a characteristic you don't like, over time, you stop seeing them as people. And then you start thinking anything can be done to them. And this is a product of several generations now of indoctrination by Islamic radicals of their people, and they have a very sophisticated method of recruiting people to become terrorists, and um, and they motivated them and trained them, and they're doing this. I mean, this is the face of human evil, Dave. It's always hard, really, to see it, um, and harder still to deal with it. But the Israelis, are, you know, they're not going to just go quietly the way they did in the in the 30s and 40s. And this is one of the reasons why everybody has a stake in this, because, um, you know, if Israel's sufficiently threatened, they're going to respond. And, um, yeah, this could lead to a regional war. So I don't I don't think it will. I hope it won't. But we have to be supportive of the of, of, of Israel protecting their own people and their own security. Jim, I don't want to make this about any specific connections to Hamas or Iran or anything like that, but how can all of these types of conflicts, I guess, um, 
come together in some way to impact the international community because we had a lot of attention for a long time now on Ukraine, and this is a new budding thing. I know everybody can do more than one thing at once, but is there anything at all that would connect these in terms of how the West manages what they're doing for their allies? Yeah, the connecting thing, it's a good question. The connecting thing is we always have to be vigilant and we always have to be strong. And we have to try and anticipate threats before they get to the point of this kind of barbarism. And we, and we need to diffuse it and deter it and deter it as early as we can. And to do that, we need tools of power. Okay, because if you don't nurture the tools of power, then when you know you need them, you can't just flip a switch and get them. I think I've said this on the show that power is a product of intention and capability. Intention can change quickly, but capability can't. So, you know, for example, we really could use a lot. um, I'm switching theaters here. We could use a lot of missile frigates in the Indo-Pacific if we had them. Uh, the danger of war over Taiwan would be much reduced, but you can't flip a switch and produce a ship. You have to actually nurture your shipyards. You have to have the capabilities, and we've allowed all that to atrophy. So we're building it back now. It's a familiar story, you know. In in, in times of threat, we get strong, and then when you know when when the threat seems to recede, we get weak, and then you know we're we're forced to do things as quickly as we can at the eleventh hour. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to uh, former Senator Jim Talent. Uh, Jim, there are obviously a lot of things that the left does and the Democrats and Biden that I think are foolish and you think are foolish. But your own party with Gates and McCarthy and the ouster and Senator Tuberville and holding up all of these nominations. Do you at times roll your eyes at, at your side of the aisle and say, guys, we need to take this more seriously? Or is this just they're oh, doing ab- the ab- Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, absolutely. I mean, um, a a friend of mine calls them the knucklehead caucus. Now, what I do say to people, because I've served in three different legislative bodies over 20 years, so I served with thousands and thousands of people. So there's about 220 Republicans in the House, and those, those, what, seven or eight represent about two or three percent. Well, any group that big is going to have people in it uh, who do some pretty ignorant things. But yeah, absolutely. This is not a good time for the House of Representatives to be paralyzed, is it? They need need to get it resolved. They need to get a speaker and they need to not do this again. And, um, you know, I am hopeful that whoever they choose as speaker will not have to face this again. Jim, uh, any writing projects out there that we should know about? No, but if people want to see what I've written, it's mostly a National Review, so just Google Jim Talent National Review Archive, and you'll see it all. Thank you, Jim. We appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Bottom of the hour, we're going to have Dave Murray, headlines, and then at 4 p.m., we're going to do the Sweet 16. Let's do some audio here. What do we got? Okay, you have a piece of audio, Dave, that's simply labeled Battle. I'm not sure what this is. What's this? You know how I never know. Battle of the Network Stars, baby. Oh, God. Yeah, this is just it was so <laughs> oh. my childhood. This is from the 70s. It's Howard, Cose- Howard Cosell calling the uh, uh, tug, of war. tug of war with O.J. Simpson and <laughs> the guy from Dallas. And it just it just made me laugh. So 
it has come down to this, the final event, the tug of war. The winning team, every person, $20,000. The losing team, every person, $15,000. $5,000 differential. Five people to a team. Three men, two women, weight limitation, 800 pounds. CBS had to strip to make the weight. There goes Commissioner Brett. The whistle. And they're off. The big boat. Man, life was simple. <laughs> it was just so dumb and simple. And I know it wasn't simple for everyone, but as a kid in the 70s, phew. I have a really stupid question about the Battle of the Network Stars. Okay. This is my first time seeing any like actual clips from it or anything. Yeah. I've heard you talk about it, I heard other people talk about it. So that's NBC versus CBS. Yep. So what network did that air on? If it was NBC versus C, did it air on both of them at the same time? No, I think it. I think only one of them aired it, if I remember correctly. And Cosell was ABC, so it may yeah. have been something like that. I think it was. Yeah, that's weird to me that all the networks would have been, like, I guess, cooperating in that way. Because yeah. there's so much, I mean, it's all competition now. And I think the reason it made such an impact on me is I was going through puberty. Oh, yeah. And everyone was wearing nothing and oiled up, and it was just like, but it was, it was like, on primetime. I was yeah. watching that clip. They are oiled up. Yeah. yeah. You are not kidding. So this was, uh, there were 19 of them total, and they were all on ABC, but they featured people from all the networks. We have time to play my audio really quick before we go to break. This has made this song stuck in my head for the past, like, three days. It's Laura Trump covering I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. Oh, God. And just listen to her go. Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Make it stop. <laughs> and, of course, now that song is stuck in my head. But uh, the Tom Petty version, not that one. Welcome back, guys. DGS 334. This segment brought to you by Snyder's Pretzels Rounds, which I call Butterballs. Every day we have Butterball time. Those things are legit. So good. So good. It's an elite snack. So when Wheeler brings in his butterballs, this is bad. Don't say it like that. Yeah. I can't help it. It's true. I reach in and just grab a bunch. Is that, <laughs> is that wrong? Well, no, because I asked if you wanted any. Okay. What, why would it be wrong? You know, from like a hygiene <laughs> point of view, just grabbing another guy's butterballs just because he invites you to. I mean, you could always pour them into your hand instead yeah. of sticking it in there. But okay. I didn't say anything wrong. You people need to grow up. Is this the kind up. of thing you do on the Rachel Zimmerman That's show? What you people need that, to that kind of grow humor. Up. I apologize, Dave Murray. I apologize. Oh, mighty tasty. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Dave Murray would never make any kind of humor like no, that. No, no way. No. He would not make those jokes. That. <laughs> Rachel's taking Kamewex into the gutter, <laughs> as usual. Uh, so beautiful weekend. We continue this week, Dave. Yeah, we continue for for the rest of today and all day Tuesday. Then we get a little unsettled. But it's not an all-rain situation, all-day rain situation until the end of the week. There's a big storm system that will be coming across the U.S.-Canadian border. In time, it's going to lift a warm front up and over us, so we will be warming up. And then also in time, send a strong cold front our way. But that's not until the end of the week. So beautiful again tomorrow, 72 degrees Wednesday a mix of clouds and sunshine, bit of a changeable sky. There's going to be a couple of showers, thunder showers around, and 78 degrees on Wednesday. That's the warm front lifting up. The winds will turn to the south. 
Wednesday night, a couple of showers around in the evening. Otherwise, it's pretty quiet. Thursday, I think the day as a whole is a dry day. I'm going to keep the chance of a couple of spotty showers, but overall, partly sunny, 78 degrees. The wettest time out of this stretch is with the cold front, increasing shower and thunder shower activity Friday afternoon and all Friday night. It looks like a rather wet period, 72 degrees. So the best chance for rain Friday afternoon, Friday night this week. Then the weekend is mostly cloudy. It's windy and it's cooler. 58 over the weekend for highs and 45 at night. Right now, not anticipating any severe weather, but there will be some thunderstorms around Wednesday and again on Friday. Very good. On my TikTok, I saw uh, the first snow in Breckenridge, Colorado. Oh, so pretty. Jealous. Very pretty. Very pretty. Well, I'm hesitant to do this, but headlines rage. Brought to you by Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app and earn 2% back on every purchase. Keep it between the rails. I'll try my best. All right. (laughs) So Nikki Haley is outgaining Ron DeSantis in campaign donations. She's raised $11 million heading into the month of October, and her cash on hand is nearly double that of chief rival Ron DeSantis. But he has a significant advantage in super PAC money with more than $130 million. Of course, both candidates are trailing Donald Trump by a significant margin in the polls. Do you think it's going to get... you know, contentious between those two. I mean, the next debate, I had read last week that the RNC is just wondering, why are we even doing these? Because Trump's not showing up. It feels like a giant waste of time. Mm -hmm. If they do have another debate, do you see them going after each other because they're in line for a second? Yeah, someone has to be number two. Someone has to have a shot at VP or some cabinet post. So, yeah, I think that's what they're doing now. Um, hold on just one second, because I, I screenshotted this, of course. Hold on. Over the weekend with everything going on, here's the headline. Trump says he has a better body than Biden and could yes. beat him in a fight. I saw this See clip. See this? Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a clip of it. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that the last time they did that, too? Yeah, he did it before, but he didn't do the better body thing. No, you notice okay. he never, ever says that about anybody, and I don't know, who's actually, like, tall or large or... I don't know, his age or younger. I feel like he's always like, oh, take Biden. Like, okay, good for you. Who can't? <laughs> Who can't? Maybe we should settle it that way. Yeah, like hey, maybe the. Yeah, we, maybe we should have a pageant with a swimsuit competition <laughs> and we can settle this once and for all. Yeah, a better cage match. <laughs> yeah, better is the operative word there. Not good. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, not a good. Just Well, he was talking about how Biden's always at the beach and showing he off loves his guns. Get, yeah, loves getting his picture taken without his shirt off. And Trump said, I have a way better body. Well, let's but I'm see not it, so buddy. sure I wanna Well, he said he's Go like, I'm beach. not so sure I wanna have it out there in the sun and the surf and the sand. Yeah, yeah. Do it inside. Let's see. Let's go. <laughs> Pose off. All right. Evidence of apocalyptic apocalyptic solar storm has been found in tree rings. Scientists have uncovered evidence of this massive solar storm that struck the Earth more than 14,000 years ago, and they found it in the tr- in the trees. They uh, show sub-fossilized trees show a spike in radiocarbon that researchers believe was caused by a so- solar storm unlike any we've ever seen. Sorry, I'm having such a hard time reading this story. Uh, but if a sol- solar storm like this were to happen today, it would knock out our electrical grid. Uh, Dave, what crazy. about that? Yeah, it's, it's certainly possible. Uh, the, the tree rings are a great way of going back in time and really seeing what the climate was all about and what the what, what was going on on the planet Earth at a particular time with carbon dating. It, it works really, really well. 
Nice. All right. So this kind of goes back to Stairway to Kevin from earlier, talking about misinformation. Did you guys see the story that Amazon's Alexa is fueling concerns that the rise of AI will supercharge the spread of misinformation? Because when it when Alexa was asked about fraud in the 2020 presidential election, uh, she said that the 2020 election was stolen and cited Rumble, a video streaming service favored by conservatives, as her source. Ah. Amazon so far has declined to explain why Alexa draws 2020 election answers from Rumble rather than, you know, any other news source. Kind of interesting. <laughs> and I'm not I, gonna... I, I feel like <laughs> not helpful with AI in general. <laughs> I feel like it's the 14th century and a couple of geniuses invented machine guns. And then everyone else is like, I want to shoot it. And that it just feels like we're not ready for AI. Does that make sense? We're not. Mm-hmm. I watched a oh, front line about AI yesterday, and it was made three years ago. So this is, I mean, this is back then we knew that it was going to get crazy. And they were talking about deep learning, and ha- which George Rosenthal has told, told us about a lot. But these computers are just learning to think for themselves. It's going into a black box that we don't understand, and it's coming out with information that we can't do the human mind can't comprehend it's just it's really pretty terrifying there's going to be a lot of upsides but it's also like what are yeah. we doing here we folks? can't we can't even handle facebook and twitter exactly yeah. <laughs> that is such a good point yeah there, there better be like it better cure cancer and not just like get, immediately give me my blizzard faster at dq you know what i mean right. like it, it better be huge upsides yeah i just, I, just tying into that i mean i just now saw a tweet um, that said the situation is so bad on Twitter right now that even seasoned intelligence researchers are being fooled by fake accounts. Mm. Like, that's how much it what is. What was the thing about Musk you were saying on the break? Oh, man, yeah, over the weekend, he, uh, well, he he <laughs> he sent out a tweet that said, hey, if you're looking to keep up with what's going on in uh, Israel with all this stuff that's going on there, here are a couple accounts you can follow, and one of them was super anti-Semitic. Like arguing with people and saying terrible anti-Semitic things to them, and that was that was uh, what do you call it? Amplified by the richest man in the world. No big deal. He deleted it, but never went back and said, "Oh my bad, I'm sorry. That was stupid." Mm-hmm. He should stop doing things. He should just like yeah. <laughs> well, he, he wants to be a tastemaker. That's his thing. Is he wants to be the cool guy and he wants to say like, "Hey, if you're looking for information, here's where you find it." But he's just not good at it yeah. and he's actually dangerous in a lot of situations so all right anyway moving on with headlines a new poll by monmouth university claims that there's not a lot of enthusiasm for either president biden or former president donald trump becoming the major party nominees in 2024 analysts say there is little voter enthusiasm for seeing a rematch of 2020 except among partisan loyalists i mean that's a big duh but that's what we're stuck with right now is those two so yeah the Powerball jackpot continues to grow Saturday night, October 7th. The drawing didn't have a jackpot winner, so now it, it has grown to $1.55 billion, which is the third largest jackpot in Powerball history. You guys the next are, drawing I'm is tonight. Getting mine on the way home. You guys getting a ticket? Yeah, I got mine. And you know what? I mean, duh. I don't think I'm going to win, but no. I, I have a true emotion of feeling stupid if I don't play. Mm. And yeah. that, that put a couple bucks down. Your you know? Yeah, like that in itself is kind of dumb mm-hmm. because the chances are one in two hundred thirty million or something like that. Um, but I do. I have like a real emotion in my body 
if I if I didn't get it tonight and it's 8 p.m. and I'm sitting at home and I'm too lazy to go back out and I can't get DoorDash to bring me a ticket, I, I just <laughs> I just sit there and I really like have this existential crisis. I have to tell myself like, Dave, you weren't gonna win. Don't you have yeah, but ten FOMO. people. Ten people on Saturday won a million bucks each. Yeah, that's another thing. I've bought, yeah. I don't know, I bought hundreds of lottery, lottery tickets. I've never checked one. Not <laughs> one. It's just why not? Did, did, because I guess I only care about being a billionaire or something. Like I could have <laughs> yeah. won a hundred uh, or a thousand, or you know, I know someone who years ago won a hundred thousand. They matched everything but the Powerball. Uh who knows what I've won. I'm just like you, Dave. Um, I, I do usually check my ticket, but I was looking at the story and it said that, you know, if someone wins and they get the lump sum payment, they'll receive $679.8 million before taxes. And I was like, oh, man, that's not $1.55 million. It's $679.8 million. What am I just not going to take it because it's not quite as much as I agree. What do you figure after taxes, like $350 million? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be all right with that. But you know what? I feel the same way. I feel I get angry that they're taking so much of my money, which we all should. (laughs) Which you gambled for. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But I get I'm such an idiot or a child or something or an idiot child. I just I feel real emotion when I see articles like that. I'm like, I'm down to 300 million. Uh I think it's fair. Kidding me? I think if I win 600 million and then they take half of it, like I would be very upset. What they should do. Honestly, what they should do. Is what some smart businesses do, and instead of like your fourteen ninety nine plus tax, they just make the price whatever it is, including the tax. Yeah. And if they just said, right. "Here's the lottery, you get to keep three hundred million dollars." Yeah. People yeah. like they'll fact they got just got to factor all that in beforehand. I agree. Make it easy. One one stop pricing. One more story here. A new world marathon record was set during the Chicago Marathon this weekend. Kelvin Kiptum won the Chicago Marathon, crossing the finish line in two hours and 35 seconds. That is insane. A four, was it a 432 mile on average? Wow. 26 times in a row. <laughs> what in the hell? <laughs> Just ridiculous. So congratulations to him. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. All right. <laughs> Skip Weber on his way in. Going to do the Sweet 16 after this. It's a good one. It's a fun one. We have sound along with it. Uh, like many people, I love horror movies. And during the Halloween season, I especially love them. And over the weekend, I watched a couple. I watched Talk to Me. Really good. It's an A24, which is my favorite production company. Very scary. Uh, then I watched The Apostle on Netflix. Also very scary. If you've seen Barbarian, it's got a real vibe like that. Here's my question to you guys. Not could you write a movie or a horror novel, uh, but if someone like Bloomhouse brought you in and said, we're going to pay you a quarter million dollars a year. All you have to do is just sit in a room and come up with ideas. Uh, could you come up with screwed up, crazy, cause people to watch a movie with your stuff in and go, oh, my God, I don't want to be alive anymore. Do you have that darkness about you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because usually whenever I'm about to watch a scary movie, what's in my head is much scarier than what I end up watching. Mm-hmm. That probably sounds so crazy. Nope, it's exactly. <laughs> nope, I'm the same way. That's why part of it is like I'm, I always think this could be way scarier. I think where people miss out in most of the movies is reality is scarier than fantasy. I agree. Right? So if you're going to make horror movies, that's why my favorite ones are the ones that are a little bit more disturbing and real. Yep. Because they could happen. Like, I don't care about something that's never going to happen. Or that is, you know what I mean? Like, it's not scary yeah, to me. I when, know a lot of people like that. When it gets into things that I have no experience with, that nobody, yeah. most people don't. 
But things, so example, I, the, the original Halloween movie is is pretty good, right? It's great. It's a classic. And the Rob Zombie remake of it, to me, was a lot scarier because it was more real. They showed you the making of the monster, how this person became the killer, and the whole story was less spooky and less about, you know, the spirit of Mike Myers, and it was a serial killer, essentially, a big, strong serial killer that could just manhandle people. It wasn't about supernatural stuff. It was just, like, terrifying on a psychological level and on a real level. I think the perfect example is The Exorcist, the original one. Yeah. That when she's throwing up the pea soup and floating in the air, uh, yeah, it's it's disturbing, but I didn't find that all that scary. It's the quiet stuff that gets in your head right. that is still living there after 30 years. By the way, if you have a spooky story that you would like to have featured on this year's Halloween show, send us an email with a short summary at dgshalloween at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 